We're in the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, or not Ecclesiastes, that's where we were. We're in Thessalonians now. We're in the book of, you know, when you've said that every week for three months, uh, it kind of goes into automatic mode. But we're in the book of Thessalonians. Uh, we're in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians was written on Paul's second missionary journey. Uh, Paul had traveled around a little bit. He got to Philippi, which the book of Philippians was written to. At Philippi, remember, um, Lydia, the seller of purple, got saved, and the Philippian jailer uh, got saved. Paul got thrown into prison at Philippi. When he leaves prison there in Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica, which is a little seaport community, not little, uh, seaport community, about 200,000 people. Paul goes there, goes into the Jewish synagogue, takes about, takes a very short amount of time, and he's thrown into prison there. Uh, He gets out of prison, and he moves on to Berea. And uh, he's only in Thessalonica for about three, four weeks, not a long period of time at all. He goes on to uh, Berea and then eventually finds himself in Corinth, where he writes this book. This book's unusual because it is written very, very close to the time he's just been there. So there's some things that happen in this book that we don't see in other books, because the other books are written after he gets back from the journey or a little bit afterwards. But this is written really, really close to the time he's just been there. So uh, that's what happens. This is a a church that's struggling because they're under tremendous persecution. Uh, They are really paying a price for being a believer. And Paul's going to talk about that this morning. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's read the, the, the text and we'll dive into it. He said, We give thanks to God always for you, all making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ and the sight of God the Father. We talked about this last week. So you have that little thing, faith, hope, and love, plastered on your walls. First Thessalonians, all right? Uh, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. So, Right off the bat, here's what Paul says. He says, look, he said, I I am so thankful for you and and what God has been doing. And he said, knowing this, brethren, your election by God or or the idea that God chose you, God saved you. Don't minimize that. You know, this is one of the things Paul talks about right off the bat is he reminds them that, look, God has been very, very good to you. Now, he's saying this to people who are being persecuted, people who are, who are dying because of their faith, people who are getting in prison because of their faith. Paul said, look, God's been, God's been good to you. And I think sometimes we need to step back and remember exactly what God has done for us. I think we forget that. You know, I mean, we are so privileged to be born, first of all, in this time in history. Think of how different your life would have, been, would have been had you been born 200 years ago. You know, some of you, oh, the good old days. No, no. Go watch some of those Alaskan shows and how they shove moss into the log cabin to keep it warm in the winter. No, it looks good to visit, but not to live that way, you know. I mean, God has been so good to us to allow us to be born in this time in history. And then, not only has He done that for us, but He's allowed us to be born here in the United States. 
where honestly, if you're on welfare, you live better than 95% of the world. He's been so good to us. You're in the top 5% of wage owners on the planet. And if you make a lot more than that, you're even, the, the statistics even go higher. You flush your toilet with cleaner water than most people have access to drink. I mean, in my house, I flush my toilet with soft water that I have softened so that I don't have to replace the internal mechanism of the toilet as much, and it doesn't rust. I don't have just one vehicle. I don't have to walk everywhere or get on a horse or feed it and take care of it. I go in every day and turn a key and drive out. And in fact, I'm so fortunate, I get to choose which car I want to take. We have been so blessed. Just to be here. Think of it for a minute. You and I could have been born on the coast. And you go, oh, now my wife's a beach person, okay? So she's like, oh, the beach. You could have been born in New York or San Francisco or Washington or Georgia or South Texas or way, way, way up in Minnesota. You were born, you were allowed to live in the Midwest we're all of, the, actually, we're, we're kind of shielded from all the craziness that's going on right now in our country. We kind of live in this little bubble. And I, I like this little bubble. Because, you know, when I go to those other places, I'm reminded that I get to live in this really cool bubble. You know, with this really cool pace of life and lifestyle that so few people can understand and appreciate. But beyond all of that, beyond all of that, I got to become a Christian. It's like God gives me all this stuff, and then he gives me eternal life in him, which means that the worst day I have on this planet, the worst day, is the worst day I have for all of eternity. That when I leave here, it only gets better. And i got to be honest with you, as I look at a lot of what I have here, it's pretty good. And Paul says, look, don't forget Thessalonians. Don't forget people. God chose you. God saved you. God, God allowed you to be a believer. You are so blessed. And I think sometimes we forget that. We whine about this and we whine about that. But God has been so, so good to us. And, and Paul reminds them of that. And I think we need to step back every once in a while and remind ourselves of that. That 90% of the problems you have this week are first world problems. None of you are sitting here wondering, you know, how you're going to eat this afternoon or what you're going to wear. Does not Christ teach that having food and raiment be content. Be content. We've been so, so blessed. And Paul reminds me, he says, God's chosen you. God's allowed you to be saved. That's an incredible thing, guys. And then he goes on, and he said, your gospel didn't come to you in word only, but in power and the Holy Spirit and much assurance. And you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. He said, not only did the gospel come to you in word, you got to hear it, but you also got to see it. 
And you got to see it lived out because we came to you and told you about Christ. And they threw us in prison and you watched our attitude in prison. And you watched how we responded. And you watched how they came and got us out and we, and we left and we went on to the next city. And you got to see all that. And you got to see the confidence and the assurance that we have in Christ. And you got to see all of that stuff. It wasn't just told to you. It was lived out among you. And you've had that privilege. And Paul reminds them of that. And then he goes on. Listen to what he says in the next passage. He says, and you, after all that, you became followers of us and of the Lord. Now, here's what you've got to understand. Think, and you've got to think this through. She's fine. Oh, she's fine. Oh, okay, Grandpa. Um, hey, I can relate now. Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm good, you know, I'm waiting for the day that I have to go, okay, Claire, you have to go back. Um, you can't come up here and preach with me. But uh, it'll be a fun day. Anyway, uh, you became followers of us and the Lord. Paul said, here's what's amazing. You watched us come into your community, and you watched us go to jail because of Christ. And you still said, I want to be part of that. Paul said, that is amazing. Because, you know, for most of us, when we got saved, it didn't, mean, it, it, it didn't cost us a lot. In this culture, when you became a follower of Jesus Christ, when you said, I'm going to put my faith and trust in Christ, you need to understand the next day, chances are good, you didn't have a job. Chances are good, your family said, don't come over anymore. Chances are good, you lost everything, and in some cases with these people, you went to jail because you did that. And Paul said, you still chose to follow Christ. Paul said, that's amazing. That is so encouraging. And he goes on to say this. You received the word in much affliction and with joy of the Holy Spirit. Not only did you accept it and take everything that came with it, but you still had a gracious, joyful attitude. You said, I'm going to follow Christ. They threw you in prison and you said, praise God, we're in prison for Christ. Paul said, that's incredible, guys. That is so overwhelming. And he's encouraging the people, and he goes on to say that. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia to believe. He said, what you have done in, in following Christ, he said, it's spreading all over. Now, now, Thessalonica was one of the capital cities in Macedonia. So what happened was, is people would come in there, and they'd heard, hear about these people who were following Christ and everything that happened to them. They'd go back, and they'd start telling everybody. And Paul said, that thing is spreading like wildfire. And he goes on. Notice what he said. For from you... Oh, no, no go back, guys. Boop, boop, boop. There we go, thing. For from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. This is a, a great little word. This little word, sounding forth, here's literally the translation of it. Rang out. Only used one time in the New Testament. He said, what you are doing is like this great big bell ringing that everyone can hear. And he goes on to say this. But also, in, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. He said, what's happening right now? People are talking about what God is doing in your life. People are talking about how you have followed God. People are, he said, this thing is not just going into Macedonia and Achaia. This thing's spreading everywhere. And then listen to what he said. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we don't even have to say anything. 
Paul said, I walk into some place and I go, hey, walk into a new town and go, hey, look, I'm here. Yeah, we were in Thessalonica. Oh, oh, do you know about those people, Paul? Yeah, I was there. Oh, no, no, Paul, let us tell you about it. He said, I don't even have to go in and tell anybody about what you're doing because everybody knows. He said, this thing is spreading like wildfire what God has done in your life. Take a little rabbit trail for a minute. Because here's what I'm starting to recognize. I'm starting to recognize that we have, I think, a window here in this community right now that I haven't seen for a long time here where people are talking about what God is doing here. I've had a couple of conversations in the last couple of weeks with people in the community. And one of the things that, that's coming, I had a conversation this week with somebody, and they said, what are you guys doing? I said, well, I said, we're, we're building on and they went, really? They said, he made the comment. The guy made the comment. He says, I drive by here. He said, there are cars everywhere. He said, it's crazy. I said, yeah, it is crazy. I said, it is crazy. I said, so we're going to build on. He goes to another church in this community. And he said, you know what? He said, we're dying. He said, it keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. He said, I'm thrilled for you. He said, I'm excited for you. Now, this is a guy who I, I've never had a conversation with before. And I'm starting to realize that we're having an opportunity because people are talking about it. People have always talked about us, but people are talking about us. You know, people are talking about it in a different way right now for at least a little window for right now. Here's, here's what's important. When we talk about what God's doing, let's make sure we talk about God. Okay. Let's make sure we use this as an opportunity to talk about what God has done in our lives. It's not about a building, and it's not about being bigger. It's about God working in our church and God working in our lives. That's the story they need to hear. That's what we want people talking about. Because you know what? There are people all over this community that build buildings. It's not about a building. It's about what God is doing here. And it's a tremendous opportunity for us to say, you know what, this is what's going on. Because that's how I try to end the conversation with most people. I go, look, you know what, I don't, God is at work. I get to be in the middle of it, and I'm having a ball. You know, one guy goes, what in the world are you doing? I was joking with him. He's a Christian guy, and so joking with him. I said, well, I said, I can't tell you that we have gone to three coffee pots now. And I said, maybe that's why they're coming, because we always got coffee on. Ah, uh, you know, and he just laughed about it, you know. And one guy asked me, this was a couple of years ago, one guy goes, what are you guys doing over there? Are you giving away free TVs? Uh, I, said, I said, you know what? I said, here's the deal. I said, I said I, we, I'm fortunate enough to pastor a group of people who love each other and love God. I said, and I, and I, get, I get to talk to them every week. I said, that's that." God's in the middle of it, and, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. We have an opportunity here to have that kind of response where people, here's what Acts says. Listen to what Acts says about this people. In describing these people, it said, men who turned the world upside down are now in our city. Men who turned the world upside down are now in our city. That is incredible commentary. And you know what? We have an opportunity. Let's not lose it. 
And when we, when we get an opportunity and somebody asks, and, and you want to talk about the building, you want to talk about all that, and you want to talk about, make sure we talk about what God is doing in our lives. Because it's an opportunity for you to touch a life with what God's doing in your life. Don't, 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 don't lose that opportunity or miss it. And then he goes on. Notice what he says. Uh, verse 9. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry. He said, they come to us and they tell us how, how we came to you and all these kind of, and how, this is great, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. We're, we're getting the impression that, again, when Paul went there, it was mainly Jewish and Gentile believers at the synagogue. So apparently this thing had taken off from then, and now they've got more Gentiles coming in who are turning to God from idols. And that's important. We're going to talk about that in a second. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he hath raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You need to understand that first, first century, second century Christians did not celebrate the birth of Jesus. That wasn't a big deal to them. They knew he was born. What they celebrated was the resurrection, the fact that he was coming back. And we make a big deal about Christmas. They made a big deal about Easter. Because they were focused on a resurrected Savior who said, I'm coming back for you. And that's a big theme in this book. But what I want to focus on right here is this little passage. And this is a small thing, but I think it's a big important thing for all of us that, that struggle from time to time here. Notice what he says. They turned, what does the text say? No, no, you've got to be really careful, be really accurate, read it to God from idols. It does not say from idols to God. It says to God from idols. Okay? This is really, really important. Because this is a subtle truth in the Scripture that will help you. Too many times when we want to make a change in our lives, we turn from something. I need to lose weight, so I'm going to stop eating junk food. We turn from something. You know how long that lasts? Until the first bag of potato chips comes into the house. Or the first pot left. Why? Because I'm turning from something. Too many times what happens is we turn from something and not to something. If you turn to something first, the from something follows. Jesus tells an interesting story. It's called the principle of replacement. And it's in the context of another issue that he's talking about. But let me share it with you from Matthew chapter 12 and, and tell you the story and then we'll go through it. Matthew chapter 12, here's what he says. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, he goes through places seeking rest and doesn't find it. Then he says, I'll return to the house I left. When he arrives, it finds that house unoccupied, swept and clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. The final condition of the man is worse than the first. That's how it will be with this wicked generation. Jesus tells this story, and we don't know what all this stuff is, but he says, here's the story. He said, a guy has an evil spirit, and he says, I need to get rid of the evil spirit. And he gets rid of the evil spirit, but he doesn't replace it with anything. The evil spirit stays away for a while, and then the evil spirit comes back, and he comes back into the house. He goes, wow, there's nothing here. He goes back. He gets seven spirits worse than himself. They come back, and they all live there now because it's an empty house. And Jesus says, the irony is, he went to clean something up, and it made it worse. Now, this isn't, don't, don't take this literally, those of you who like to not clean. 
Uh, he said the idea is you clean it up and you replace it. Because if you don't replace it with something, then what happens is that spirit comes back and the end of the man is worse than the beginning. In other words, it's a principal replacement. It's what the Thessalonican people did. They turned to God from idols. So the issue comes down to, you. we have to be careful, because this is what I watch a lot of Christians do. They want to turn from something to something. Instead of turning to something, the from something follows. Okay. So let me give you a couple of illustrations. Okay. Um, now, this is not a world that I'm comfortable with. Talk to Kira. Kira's comfortable in this world. If I want to be, if I want to lose weight, what I need to do is I need to turn to a healthy lifestyle. You see what my focus is now? This is my focus. Am I close here? That I'm turning to it. Not just from something. Okay? I have to take this and replace it. So let's say, for instance, um, th- this is what happens with alcoholics. What a, lot, what a lot of times is they have a group of people that they always hang with and they get in trouble with. So what do they have to do? They have to replace that group of people and turn to an alcohol-free lifestyle and hang with AA people or whatever else. So now on Friday night, instead of going to the bar, they go to an AA meeting. They embrace that lifestyle. It's important that when we're trying to replace something, when we're trying to get rid of something, that we turn to something first. Give you an example. Let's say I have a problem of um, uh, getting angry with my wife. Okay? Now, I, 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 I don't because, you know, I just can't get mad at her. Um, but, I mean, I could probably if I worked at it. But um, the idea is, let's say my wife and I, let's say I have a problem with, with being angry with my wife. What do a lot of people say? How do a lot of people handle that? Well, I'm just going to try not to yell at her so much. Oh, how about this? How about I'm going to turn to the idea that three times a day, morning, middle day, and at the end of the day, I'm going to text, call, do something to my wife to let her know I appreciate and love her. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that every day. I'm going to start the day out and say, hey, honey, I love you. Sometime in the middle of the day, I know I got to call her, text her, email her, something else, Facebook post or whatever else, say, hey, I want you to know I appreciate you. And then at the end of the day, I do the same thing. That's what I'm going to embrace. That's what I'm going to turn to. Now, let me ask you something. If I do that every day, three times a day, what's going to happen to that I wanted to change? Because here's the thing. I can get mad and yell at her in the morning, but what have I got to do at noon? Because, see, I've embraced this idea of three times a day I'm going to tell her this. You know, so I go and I figure out when afternoon and evening ends. So I might buy myself like four hours. But at four o'clock, I know I got to say something because it's by then the middle of the day is over. You see what I'm saying? You see the difference? Paul said the thing about these people at Thessalonica is they turned to God. They embraced God with everything so much so that everybody knew about it. 
And what I want to challenge you with is there are some of you that are struggling because there's things in your life that you want to change, and you've tried it before, and you've tried it before, and you've tried it before. I'll go back to what Proverbs says. A righteous man falls seven times and gets back up. The idea of the righteous man is he just keeps plugging away until he gets it right. You know? And, and, and one of the ways to help you get it right is to turn to something, not just from something. And that's why I think this is a subtle thing, but it's really, really important. These people embrace God. So what happened was they embraced God with everything. What happens to the idols? They're not important anymore. They go by the wayside. Why do they go by the wayside? Because they embraced God with everything they had. And that's an important principle for us. Because some of you got issues, you've got stuff, unhealthy stuff that you're trying to get past and you haven't been able to get past it. Let me challenge you to maybe change your thinking. And to say, you know what, I'm going to embrace this. And, 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 and some of that stuff will just happen as a natural process of going towards something else. Because if you haven't figured it out yet, when you walk to something, you're walking away from something. And that's the concept here. And Paul said, look, the thing that's great about these people is you guys have turned to God from idols. And it is amazing what God has done. All right, so a couple things, you know. Um, first one, you're chosen. Treasure what God has given you. Stop your whining and complaining. Let's stop focusing on all the things that could be better, and let's start focusing on all the things that we have. I say it over and over again to people. You have this moment, this day, this time. Anything past that's a gift. You might get tomorrow. You might get this week. You might get next month. You might get next year. But right now you have today. And it is an incredible gift that you've been given by an almighty God to enjoy it, treasure it, value it, make it count, make, it, make a difference in the world. Today, you have this moment. And for those of you who are believers, you understand you're a child of the king? You understand that all the riches of Christ have been put to your account? Do you understand that as God looks at you right now, he already sees you seated in heaven with him? He doesn't see all the gunk going on in your life right now. He sees you in Christ in the heavenlies. The whole book of Ephesians is about that. Why? Because you've been chosen. You are a child of God. You are an heir of the king. Appreciate it. Second idea is we need people to see a real, genuine faith. We need to talk about it, but more importantly, we need to live it. You know, we talked about this a little bit in Sunday school this morning, but the concept is this. So many times we go and say something to somebody, but it doesn't carry any weight. You know why it doesn't carry any weight? Because we don't have a lifestyle to back it up. We pop in, you know, we're in a world where, you know, you have 500 Facebook friends and you go, happy birthday. And you know why we go, happy birthday? Because it popped up on my feed that you had a birthday today. That's why. Nobody has to remind me when my, my kids' birthdays are, or my wife's, okay? Nobody has to go, hey, here's a reminder. Why? Because those are people that I value, I treasure, I'm close to. And, it's, and, and we're in this world where everything is so superficial. Kids, teenagers, listen to me. Here's the problem of the world that you live in. 
everything is at this, this superficial level that you think these people are friends and you think these people care. You know, I mean, I'm going to get in trouble here, but we have 20-year-olds with Twitter accounts that make that actually think people care about what they're saying five times a day. They have that inflated an ego because they've been brought up in a world where that's what we have done to them. And we are to blame for that. And, and we're, in, we're in such a crazy deal where we live at this superficial level. Kids want authenticity. They want real. They want genuine. They want people who care. They want people who know about them. They want people who are invested in their life. They may not say it now, but genuinely, that's what they're after. That's ultimately what all of us are after. We want to know that we're making a difference in somebody's life. We want to know that our day has, made, has counted. And, and what I want to challenge you with is this. Look, the world needs that. The world's got to see people who are real. And you know, I, I hope you understand me enough to know this. But if you're having a horrible day and I ask you how your day's going, I would much rather you look at me and go, you know what? It's just an ugly day. Then they go, oh, fine. At that superficial level. You know what? I can't pray for you if everything's, I mean, I can pray for you if everything's fine. But I'm not going to pray for you like, I'm going to pray for you when you look at me and go, this is a horrible day. Great. I know how I can pray for you now. And I think sometimes we got to be careful. We need to be real authentic in, in front of the people that we're with. And we need to be genuine about who we are. It needs to be lived out. And, and I'm afraid we're in a culture where we're just afraid to talk about it anymore. And we let all of these other groups say whatever they want to say, whether it's offensive to us or not. And we're afraid to stand up and say something that we believe firmly in too. What sense does that make? I, I can say it in love, but I can still be, I can still be honest. And I think it's important because the world needs to see real people. They need to see people who struggle. The thing that I love about the Thessalonians here is these people, in midst of persecution, still had joy. That, that had to come from the inside. It was not dependent upon their circumstances. But there was something real inside that came out. And Paul said, you know what, I see it. I see it. It's incredible. I mean, you chose Christ knowing it was knowing you were going to go to jail for it. Had to be real. Had to be genuine. And the last thing is this. Let's really focus on making sure that God's at the center of it. That we're turning to God. Truthfully, like we're learning in Sunday school, you really love God and you really love others, the rest of it kind of falls in line. It really does. The rest of it just kind of comes along. It's that idea of turning to God from idol. And some of you, maybe some of you, there's some unhealthy stuff you've got to get rid of and you need to change. And you've tried before and it's failed. Uh, uh, don't stop trying. 
Give it another go. Oh, but I'll fail again. Okay, so you'll know another way not to do it. You'll know another way that doesn't work. You keep going, you'll find a way that works. Most of you, I'm, I'm being nice, I'm being loving, are stubborn enough <laughs> that you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out, just like you do everything else. But what's happened is you've quit, and you've given up, and I want you to do that. And Paul writes to these people, and he says, look, guys, it is exciting to see what God's doing. And I want you to know, I'm in your corner, and I'm looking, just like you, I'm looking for the day, waiting for the Lord to come back. And until he does, we're going to keep plugging away. So I end with this. We've received an incredible gift of salvation. The world's got to see it in our daily life. Make your faith real each day. And keep your focus on a true and living God. Because it's the only hope that world has. Let's pray. Lord, use us. Thanks for these people, Lord, who made a difficult choice at a great cost. And Lord, we've been given so much more. It's been made so much easier for us. Help us to love you with everything we've got. Help us to be able to show that to a world this week. Lord, we're going to bump shoulders this week and, 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 and come in contact with people who they're in hopeless situations. They're frustrated. They see no light at the end of the tunnel. And Lord, we have an opportunity to come alongside and encourage them and help them and guide them to be a friend, to care. So help us to do that this week. And Lord, use us. When it is all said and done, Lord, may you receive the honor, the glory, and the praise. And may people see Christ in us. These things we ask in your name. Amen.